Okay, how many times, how many times have you heard me say, helping you become profitable without costing you your peace, your relationships, or your identity, right? That's what we talk about with Turned On all the time. But what about costing you real money? What is costing you real money right now? We're going to find out next here on the Turned On Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Turned On Podcast I'm Angelique Nori, and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life, in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. Look at my wife over there. She's like, you got to watch it. They can hear you. Right, I know because you're you're over there whispering to me. I'm like your <laughs> mic is on, so even though the intro is playing, you're still whispering to me. They can hear your lip smacking. Not in my mind, they can't. I'm t- we got our dog being groomed. <laughs> can they? Blah, 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 blah. All okay, right. you can you hear g- us. You, you gave me a good us. intro. Let's get into testing. M- into the check one two. Meat and potatoes. Let's talk about success. Let's talk about money. Money, money, honey. So listen, we always talk about this. You know where the the way that the world chases things down, you know, in, especially in terms of wealth, it often can cost people their identity because they have to sound like a carbon copy or look like a carbon copy of the way the world is doing it. Or it starts to cost them peace in their home or inner peace in their mind. And then it certainly can cost them relationships because we always hear people say, well, I outgrew this relationship or I outgrew my spouse or whatever. And, and that's all true. And that's why we like to do things different here at Turned On. However, What are the things that are costing you money right now that you can't see, that you can't buy, that you can't hit, uh, you know, ship today? Like, what are the things that you're costing yourself right now monetarily? How much money could you actually make this year over last year by simply staying in peace, staying in identity and being a servant of your relationship? So I'm going to sit here and tell you really quick. So we just finished the turned on method uh, with our very first launch group. So where we had live Zoom trainings, that's no longer available. However, you can be a part of the turned on method at any given time. So if you just go to turnedon.com, you can look for the section that says see clearly or even just the turned on method section and you can literally get instant access to everything from the divine order to the big four, to the first four, to the standard four, the core four, all the audio and all the lessons and all the workbook, all available to you right away for you to binge consume. But one of the things we talk about there is about staying in the game, like how to flip the switch quickly so that we can recognize when we start to go into a dip and we don't take that five minutes and milk it for a whole year because how far we fall and how long we stay down is not only going to cost you peace and relationships and potentially identity. It's going to cost you money. David, we had all kinds of funky moments in COVID, right? Where everyone wanted to be in a fetal position for what was going on in the world. 
We were one of them. There were moments. I caught you like that yeah. a few times. I, I think I think it's funny you say funky moments because this is a Christian broadcast. If it wasn't, we'd probably be using another kind of word. I would begins with the same letter. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I, I'm I'm being. I get it. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying <laughs> the emotional part of of the words that we're using here. Yeah. Um, but it, my my point is, it was a highly highly emotional time, and it still is. You know, I, I heard a an advertisement on the radio the other day the lady said uh, it was for mental health and she's like you know the, the repercussions of what of what happened in the last two years it doesn't just stop you know the the mental health all the things whether it be the eating habits whether it be the drinking habits whether it be the um emotional strain or stress whether it be your kids at home um you know from homeschool or whatever you're doing these things haven't gone away we're just moving to another phase. So I like the fact that we're talking about how to deal and cope with this. And we get a pretty good sense of what's going on because we talk to so many people. We have an obligation to ourselves, first and foremost. Think about that. I'll say it again. You have an obligation to yourself first. When it comes to making money, it's a really tough road to travel in this conversation, it's it's exactly, Angie, I compare it to how we talk about marriages. If people come to us, I say, whatever you do, protect the marriage, right? Everything else, everything else we can deal with, but protect your marriage first. Well, we have that, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Obviously, your mental health and how you go about it is right, but if you're not successful, if you are stressing about money, we know that's probably the number one stressor in marriages, um, it's probably one of the number one stressors in general. If you met anyone who works on Wall Street, you know, that deals with money and that it goes, goes through this on a daily basis, they're probably not a very stable in terms of their emotions, you know, because money has a way of doing this to you. So I'm I'm loving the fact that we're addressing this. Yeah. Because we need people to be at peace. Think about that. When I say the words peace and money, Mm-hmm. Do, do those go together? Hardly. Hardly. Well, here's... It depends on who you ask. Here's here's a perfect example. Here's the question. Let's talk about the lotto, right? Because people always say, well, if I just won the lotto, if I just had somebody dump a couple million dollars in my lap, I would be peaceful. I would be happy. Mm, money does eliminate a lot of problems, but if you have not developed the skill on how to manage it and manage your emotions around it, that's where you're going to lose grossly. Like you'll you'll lose way more than you gained in a lottery ticket. Well, here's the thing, but that's because people didn't have money and it got dumped into their lap. I highly right. agree. If you work for it and you manage it and and we talk about stewarding money from a biblical standpoint, that's what we're talking about here. And what we're talking about is something that we've all been susceptible to. And we can deny it, but guess what? We've all been susceptible. If you open your eyes, if you have ears, does everybody here have eyes and ears? Okay, then you're susceptible to it. And that means we're susceptible to what's coming into our ears, what we're seeing with our eyes. And that is chaos, strife. Um, and, and look, we know a large part of that is the news. And people will say, well, just turn off the news. Okay, what about friends? Your friends don't talk about it, right? If it was easy as turning off the news, we'd all turn off the news. But people talk about it, and it's real-life stuff. You can't say, hey, you know what? I turn off the news, but go to the gas station and pay $4 for a gallon of gas and not be affected by it. 
Right. Well, here's the thing. You got to get your house in order. Okay. You know, so, and that's, that's what we're going to talk about. So there's about. the problem, right? There, there's the problem. We laid it out and now we are going to provide a solution. Okay. So getting your house in order. Sometimes, you know, you hear that and you're like, well, what does that mean exactly? Well, think about this. How many times have you been asked, like when you have a goal, like what, what, when someone asks you your goal, the real question they're asking you is what is your desired outcome? Right. And I don't think that any of us listening to this or, you know, even considering this right now would think that they didn't have a goal in mind at some point in their life, if not right now, that they said, yeah, I know what that outcome looks like. I know what that outcome feels like. I know what I want that outcome to be. Yet oftentimes we're, we don't realize that there, these outcomes are actually a series of events, you know, and we talk about moments between the moments. So we often think that events have to be, you know, like some big thing that you gear up for. But what about events that happen throughout your day? What about events that are going on in the mornings with your kids or in the evening with your spouse or in the middle of the day with your business? All of those are events, whether they're, whether they're core events in your memories or many events during the day, they add up and they all equal the outcome. So if we're not, if we're talking about outcomes, but we're not talking about the events that happen throughout the day, meaning the moments between the moments, and then we aren't addressing what a reaction to those things versus a response looks like, then we're missing the majority of the equation. Because the equation is always like the sum of something, right? It's the sum or the subtraction or the multiplication of something that equals the result, the outcome. So that's the thing. Like we get so caught up in what the outcome is and what it feels like and what I'm going to do with it and how I'm going to look or what it's going to, you know, bring me in my lifetime. However, we don't ask ourselves the right questions when it comes to how to respond and how to take those events and make them add up. So I want you to imagine in your mind right now that your life is like, because we all know this, it's life is not like this upward trajectory. You know, success doesn't look like a straight line. We'd like it to be, but it doesn't. So there's always going to be like this series of momentum where we go on high and then climb to the top and we're up there. Everything feels great. And then something happens and we react to it rather than respond to it. And we can dip way, 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 way down low. This happens a million times in entrepreneurs' lives, especially. Like you're just like you're in one day, you're on fire, you have so much going on in your life, you feel like you could create off the top of your head, you're, everything feels good, everything's flowing, you are quote unquote in the zone. And then an event happens and you react and you are like, you're out, you're out, you want nothing to do with it, you want to throw in the towel, you kick the wall, you're fighting with your spouse, you're snappy at your kids, you eat a bag of chips and salsa, like that is the out. The problem is, is we're all going to experience those things, but the real question lies in the top 1%, maybe even the top 5%, I would venture to say the top 1% is really going to take that dip and do something with it. So no matter who you are, what you are, what you do, in our case, entrepreneurs, business, you know, that uh, business, family-owned business that works from home and schools from home, how far are we going to allow ourselves to fall and how long are we going to stay down? Because the amount of time that we stay down, you always hear me say this, take your five minutes, do not milk it for the year. Why? It's not just because no one likes to be around a moody person. David, why do you think that we don't want to stay down too long? 
What happens well, if we stay all, on too I don't, long? I don't know why you had to bring chips and salsa into it. I'm just going to, you know. Because everybody what, likes what, chips and salsa. I know, but chips and salsa didn't hurt nobody, so let's, let's leave no, them it out can. of it. No, it can. <laughs> no, okay. It'll hurt. Why, why do people stay down? Well, here's the thing. No, um, what happens when they stay down? Well, what happens is you lose what John C. Maxwell calls the law of Big Mo. The Big Mo. Right? If you are familiar with the uh, laws of leadership by John C. Maxwell, you know, go back and refresh yourself with Big Mo. Uh, being a sports reporter, look, momentum means everything. There, there are, I just did, um, in, in the last chapter of my book, I talked about me being at, it's one of the top 100 games of all times. And it's when, it's the first time that a team lost with under four minutes to go down by 21 points. Okay. And they lost Big Mo. And here's, and here was the, here's the thing without giving the book away. What happened was losing or being down hurts. What hurts even more is when you're so close to victory mm-hmm. and, and you let it slip away. And that's what happened in this particular game with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were up by 21 points with four, with four minutes left, and they ended up losing. It's one of the greatest comebacks of all time. And the reason why I say this is because Tampa had just won the Super Bowl the year before. Okay? Mm-hmm. They didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They, they, they lost like four out of their next six. And what we talk about, that's big mo. So we can see it in sports, but we need to see it in our lives. We need to recognize that that's happening in our lives. Yeah, we're not suiting up. We're suiting up mentally and emotionally to go to work every day. And you are going to have ebbs and flows. Life is about ebbs and flows. We can't go running out to a conference. We can't go running out and reading a new book every time we get discouraged. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to be pick ourselves up from the bootstraps. But we have to be our own best motivational coach. It doesn't mean conferences don't help. It doesn't mean a book's not going to help. But we can't look for help every time we take a kick to the groin in our business. Mm -hmm. We have to pick ourselves up and say, okay, all right. You know, like there's come a point when righteous anger is good. Sometimes people get motivated by different things. You know, sometimes it takes your back being against the wall to say, you know what? This isn't going to be good enough. I'm going to get out there and make a couple extra phone calls, or I'm going to go out there and, and do something different. Well, here's the thing. Like, you're not only using, losing big mo as a momentum, you can lose big money. Big money. Why? Because when you're down and out and you're in that dip and you're milking it way past five minutes and it's gone on five weeks or five months, you don't know what kind of opportunity you missed because you weren't showing up that day. You don't know what kind of opportunity, like let's look at our business in, in terms of social retail. What if we had like the next best partner in our business ready, but we just, we weren't visible. There was no proximity. We were showing up in, in a way that, that no one wanted to partner with us. I mean, that's the thing. Like you got to be memorable. And if, and if your cumulative downs are way more often and way longer than your cumulative ups and victories, you, what are people going to remember you for? You take that with you everywhere. You know, it's, it's something that we give. It's the spirit you carry with you. I know literally if, if what kind of place David is in based off of how he feels to be around. I can tell by his expression. I can tell by his breathing pattern. I can tell by the way he's talking to people the same way I would. Like you feel that energy for lack of a better term. You feel that coming off of people. So if that is the case and you're in this for long game and for business, okay, you're going to cost yourself money. There could be a substantial loss financially because you were down milking it way past the five minutes that you were due. 
pick up the towel, clean it up, and let's go. Eh. We're we're allowed. We're allowed. Why are you laughing? Because you're, you're talking about Tim Grover. Oh, for sure. And I was just I was just googling him. Literally, as you spoke that, I'm like, who, really? is, who is the guru of this subject? And like Tim, Tim Grover, Grover man. is the guru. And I remember that first line is he's like, you know, don't feel sorry for yourself. Yep. If if people puked in his practice, he'd throw a towel at him Pick and he'd say, you know, when you're done, uh, wipe yourself up and get back into the drill. Yeah. So we have to learn to respond, not react. So that doesn't mean. Remember. By going, by not staying down long, it does not mean that you're apathetic and you're walking around like everything's rainbows and unicorns and butterflies and the world is is great and rose colored and we don't have a clue as to what's going on. That's just completely ignorant. Like let's let's just take that stinger out right now. I'm talking about a response to things where we don't respond emotionally in our flesh, but we respond emotionally, intelligently, like emotional intelligence, not just, not just anger, not just resentment, not just bitterness, not just lashing out, not just all that, like emotional intelligence. It's a combination of both. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let's look at, let's look at, um, that's why I'm saying emotional intelligence, not just pragmatic. Right. So let's think about war, like real war. I've never been in real war and I won't pretend to be. But, you know, you've seen the movies or you might know somebody. So if if you're a warrior and you're on a, with a gun on a battlefield and you just have anger or you just have right. bitterness at the enemy, guess what? You're probably, you know, you're going to be one of those people laying face down in the dirt, right? you you got to have some emotional intelligence. you got to ha- be able to harness that emotion because, look, I will never leave out emotion. I think it's one of the biggest motivators. And you can pick any emotion you want. Pick despair, pick anger, pick bitterness, pick jealousy. Um, You know, you can pick whatever emotion you want, couple it with intelligence, couple it with focus at least. And fruit, right? We want to work out of of a good place. But if you think of a warrior on a battlefield, you know, and you watch too many movies, you know, you see the guy like, you know, Mel Gibson in Braveheart, right? Just going through and just, he's just crushing it. Well, that's a movie, guys. Yeah. It's not how real life works. Yeah. You know, he's going to, guess what? I, I know it's a true life story, but he's going to come out the hero in that one. Yeah. You know, like, Rock, <laughs> hey, guess what? Rocky, you got all that emotion. If yeah. you're not smart, guess what? You know, I know in the movie you're going to win, but it, hey, You've been around boxers. I've covered boxing. I've been ringside and covered major boxing events. Guess what? Um, Rocky, that strategy where you just let the big guy hit you for like four or five rounds, guess what? That's a movie, bro. Yeah. In real life, you know what, Rocky? You would have been knocked out probably in the fourth punch. You got to have defense and you got to be smart. You know, yeah. just being dumb or going at it with like a bull mentality is not going to work. Yeah. And look, there's strategy to that too because there's, there's, I think, I forget the term that there's a boxer's strategy, but even in martial arts, like you kind of save it towards the end, you know, but you can't just sit there and get pummeled, you know, and expect that you're going to have gas in the tank. Well, so. think about, bring up martial arts, right? What's the one martial art? And you know, I think it's the one that Steven Seagal practiced where you use, you use this person's energy or their aggression against them. You redirect it. Yeah. Well, there's jujitsu. Uh, jujitsu kind of does that. Well, it, Brazilian, it, yeah. it doesn't matter what we're talking about. We're using this as a metaphor. So you take that energy, in this case, we're talking about being down a negative energy, and you redirect it, mm-hmm. right? You Absolutely. use that in your favor. You know, Tim Grover, going back to what he says, he says, once you start blaming others, you're admitting to yourself that you had no control over the situation. Yeah. And without that control, you can't create a solution. That's right. And so look, I've been guilty, my friends. You, we want to blame the government. We want to blame the Fed. We want to blame our <laughs> old company. We want to blame COVID. We want to blame your, you know, your mayor. You want to blame your work partner. You want to blame, you know, 
There's a ton of you people. Pivot, just pivot. Like you can blame all day long, right. but pivot. Take then, that energy, take that do, energy, that solution. negative, and redirect it yeah. and pick yourself up. It's easier said than done. Yeah. And here's the thing. If we go to the Bible, um, you know, Simon Peter, he said, look, I'm just going to keep reminding you of this. I know you know the lesson. I know you, you know, we've taught you and we speak about it. But in this world of distractions, in this world where we get down, he goes, we have to keep reminding ourselves of the power of Jesus and who he was. He goes, I saw him with my own two eyes. So I'm an eyewitness. But for those of you who don't, you're going to have to keep being reminded of his power. You're going to have to keep being reminded of what his promises are. So let's use that as an example. Remind yourself. And that's where people will want to go into a daily affirmation or they'll want to pick up the word. We have to always be our own best motivator and coach. Yeah. You can have Tony Robbins playing in your car. You can have Think and Grow Rich on your bookshelf. You can do all that stuff, okay? But you are your own coach. You are the one making decisions. And that's why I love Tim Grover because he puts personal responsibility first and foremost. He doesn't let us have pity parties and feel sorry for ourselves. Well, neither does Jesus. And we have to remember that, you know, um, you know, when it comes to influence, and a lot of you might be thinking, well, that, there's that word again. And I'm not talking about social media influence or online influence or worldly influence. I'm talking about how you're able to influence yourself and influence your family first. And the only way we can do that is to die, die to ourselves. You know, and that's the thing. Like, if you're in the sense of overwhelm right now, if you're staying down far and, and into that dip for too long, um, and, and you've allowed for that to overcome you, then you're probably looking for a way out. You're looking for a way out. You're looking for a vacation. You need a break. You need a life hack. You need something to relieve you of the pressure. Uh, then you turn to a habit, and typically not a good one, whether it's eating or sedating ourselves through alcohol. What you really need is Jesus. Like, you need to fill your, you know, your, your cup with the idea of dying to yourself, because we don't, if we're always going to be looking for something to fix, something to blame, something to fill up, something to replace, something to escape from, something to sedate away. Like we have to remember that we die to ourselves in order to have that peace. Give them, give them a, here's the thing, give for the people who, for the people, we're all at different levels, but for, when you say you have to know Jesus. Right. And there are people out there that go, okay, like, you know, I'm a believer, but, you know, what does that mean, though? Yeah, dissect yeah. it. And I don't know if you have an answer that you go to or, you know, but I just want you to think about that for a second. If well, you're telling somebody, well, you need to go to Jesus or be more like Jesus, what does that mean, though, in practical terms? Because it sounds good, and I believe it. I know you believe it. But even now I have to ask myself, what does that mean in practical terms? Look up the for, while I'm while I'm answering that. Just pull up in Corinthians the fruit of the or Galatians and the, the fruit of the spirit. Okay, because that's the simplest way to to wrap that up right now. The simplest way to wrap that up, because that's what fruit is. Anything that's going to produce fruit is going to require pruning. Okay, Pr- whether and I'm talking about gardening. Let's talk about gardening, and then we'll go to the Bible and what David just asked me. If I'm gardening, which I know very little about, but I know enough to, uh, to create this analogy, or if there's a vineyard or whatever, if you do not prune away the bad parts, okay, all the things, and by, by bad parts, we're talking about anger, bitterness, overwhelm, frustration, you know, all of the things that David just mentioned that keep us down by blaming, complaining, justifying, rationalizing, you know, looking for something to create an escape, then we haven't created fruit. We've created 
We've created weed. We've created things that are actually going to create death to our spirit. And if we don't prune that away, understanding what God says about it, then what we end up having is a stick tree. We can't grow and produce fruit out of that. So go ahead and read the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay. So easy, easy to read, right? But if we don't find ourselves embodying those things, then we have to ask ourselves why. What has taken the place of Christ in our life? What has become a little God in our life that has now taken control over our time, over our energy, over our priorities, over our mood, you know, over our calendar that actually starts to rob and destroy us of the fruit of the Spirit? Because if we are walking with Christ and we walk with, as he talks about in Philippians, the peace beyond human understanding, that means we probably with our pea brains couldn't understand it. It's a peace he gives us. And no matter what we have faced, there have been moments where we feel completely out of control, but there's a peace that he replaces beyond human okay. understanding. And so that's what I'm talking about. We don't want to stay down too far and down too long. And we realize that in our flesh, we're going to fall short each day. But what if we can recover faster by walking in that? The ramifications of not costs us time costs us peace, costs us relationships, costs us identity, and as we're talking about in this podcast, will cost you money. Man, I think here's, here, here's where we go, because I think you're onto something. Well, I know you're onto something, but let me ask you this. Have you ever been bitten by a snake? Not you. I'm asking the audience. Have, no, you, have, well, like, have yeah. you ever been bit by a snake? Ask yourself that too, Ange. I've been bit by a brown recluse. Okay. That was not fun. Have you ever been shipwrecked? No. Have you ever been thrown stones at? No. Have you ever been beaten? <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Right? Yep. Okay. So look at Paul. I, I love the Apostle Paul. Read more about Paul. I mean, Jesus, I, look, Jesus is number one. Don't get me wrong. But I love the Apostle Paul because all of those things. And here's how I relate it to you. Look at your body right now. I want everybody right now to just think or look at your body. Name one place where you know you have a scar immediately. Where's your first scar? Ange. Immediately. On my knee. Immediately. My Did you have to think about it? No. Okay? It's there with you. Yeah. All right? I have, a, I have a scar on my shin. All right? On my shin. And I know immediately I ran into a park bench playing baseball when I was a kid. Down to the white meat. Right? Mm-hmm. Didn't even bleed. Just hit the white meat in my shin. There's an event. Right. Okay. Here's the thing. We all look at our body and we have scars. And we know that we made it through that. Right? We know it wasn't easy. I mean, I remember when I, when I hit my shin, I, I think I was probably 12 or 13. And I just remember going home and passing out. It was, I was in such bad pain. You know, if you nail your shin in the gym against against a tree, you know, the little weight trees, and you hit your shin or something, yeah. you know, I mean, you see stars, yeah. right? Um, imagine running full speed into a bench. I thought for sure I broke it. Here's the thing. I'm here, right? I was in a car accident where I don't remember three days of my life because a car hit me going 45 miles an hour into the door. My My collarbone was in pieces. Uh, the battery from the car that hit us exploded and the battery acid went in my eyes and I had burns on my legs, right? So I don't remember that. By the grace of God, I'm here. Um, Whatever's going on in your life right now, let's go back to the financial part. You know, these last two years, and I always go back to make a little bit more lighthearted of the situation to that, is that Ken Jong meme where it's like, but did you die, right? (laughs) I mean, look, 
Some people did. Let's not take that lightly. Yeah. My heart goes out to the families that lost people. Yeah. But when we look at a financial part of it, when we look at what we spoke about here is making another $30,000 this year on top of what you thought you were going to do, we have to ask ourselves, you know, the last couple of years were really the roughest times that any of us faced. Those of you who made it through the 2008 recession, yeah. it was rough, right? We're here. We're, we, we didn't miss any meals. We didn't, <laughs> we, we didn't miss anything. That's right. And... and I don't know. I'm praying for good times ahead. I think we're going to have some, but there might be some more financial hard times. Here's the, the gist of this. How do we bring it all together? Paul suffered, and he got up because he was on a mission. We have physical scars that we're here today because, by the grace of God, we, we had the will to survive. You know, We've made it through some financial things in the past because we had the will to keep going and fight. So here we are right now and saying, what have I learned? If you're in your 20s and this is all new to you, then you got some grace. If you're in your 30s or 40s, but if you're in your 40s or 50s, guess what? Guess what? We got to learn from some things. We got to be able to bounce back. We got to be able to say, hey, you know what? I know that the last time that I was in a, a situation where I needed to pick myself up from the bootstraps, I did it. Now, how do we take this? Here's the question. How do we take this? and take it to the next level. There's a thousand platitudes out there. There's a thousand cliches that we could practice. We can tell you over and over again a million times, be more like Jesus, all of these things. But nothing replaces grit. And then you have grit, and you marry that, Ange. You marry grit with experience and intelligence, and now you have something that's special. Because next time you face something, like, I can make it through this. I'm not going to panic like I did last time. But what have I learned from the last situation? That all that panic was for, for nothing. All that woe is me, um, I could have been using that time. Okay, think about this. Have you ever done something and you look back on a situation and you say, wow, I really, I really didn't do that good. Maybe it's just a game that you were playing. Either a game of golf or tennis or, or maybe it was another company. And you have that experience and you look back on it right now, whatever it may be, think about it. You look back on it and you say, wow, if only I knew then what I know now. Have you said that before? My, my dad tells me that all the time. When, he goes, if I knew at your age what I know now, and I'm like, well, let me know. Give me the secret, you know, to success. He's like, well, a lot of that you can't tell somebody. They have to experience it themselves, you know? There, there are certain things that you do at your work that I'm sure you had to make a mistake at. That somebody who trained you at, when you first got there, they said, hey, look, do it this way. Make sure you do it this way. And you said, yeah, 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 I got it. And what happened? You didn't have it. You made the mistake. Maybe you made it once. Maybe you made it twice. But on that third time, you should have corrected it. Not only do you correct it, here's the thing. You see it coming, and you know how to react. And so that's what we're looking for right now. What we're looking for is we're looking for an ability to say whatever comes my way, I'm going to use my grit, I'm going to use my experience, and I'm not going to let myself get in that dip and stay there. You know what? I've done a lot of research on this. People are on the move. This is not your grandfather's economy where, you know, my dad went to work when he was 20, 
and he had you know one company for the next 40 years. That just doesn't happen anymore. So your ability to reinvent yourself, your ability to say, hey, I might have to start, not maybe from scratch, but I might have to start over and do something different, or I might have to start over at a different position, or just start over on a different team and work my way back to where I was. Angelique and I had to do that. Angelique and I had to do that. And you know what? Tim Grover says, there's no off-season when you're serious about winning. So Tim Grover trained, you know, Michael Jordan and um, Kobe and Dwayne Wade. But he says, there's no off-season. So I think a lot of people now, they're looking to get to the point where they can work and as if there's some magical place where, you know, they kick their feet up and then it's cruise control. Right, Ange? Like people we get to this place where they think, okay, I'm just going to work and then sooner or later I'm going to be able to kick my feet up and not work. Well, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, Ange. Is that going to happen? Like you and I, we talk about this all the time. Like we got a long life ahead of us. Right. So we're going to have to work to fulfill that. Sure, we can work hard and build up a nest egg. Right. But, you know, Unless you unless you are just oblivious to how life works, you're gonna need to pour into something. Well, you gotta. St- you're. It's not just all about money and income. I mean, there, there's stewarding. Stewarding requires you know you to to be profitable and to take care of and to pour into and to plant and to invest in talents, time, people, everything. So. For me, it's just about being a good steward of what God has given me. It's not just my money. It's my family. It's my body. Um, it's our time. It's our energy. It's the ability to, you know, create uh, our priorities and, and manage them well. So, yeah, you don't just kick, kick up your feet. Well, you've, you've done really good at that because you know that sports and competition has told you that if you get punched, right, you come back. Yeah. You, you, you literally tore up your knee, and instead of quit, you came back. So if you, if you know that life is kind of a reflection of team sports or even individual sport like you did, then what's the best advice that you can give somebody as we close out this episode um, that might be feeling like right now they're either they're starting over or they're in a dip or you know financially like, hey, how do I take advantage of this situation right now? When the rest of the world is, is worried about paying their gas, how do I up my income? Well, I mean, like I said it earlier, you just you got to take your five minutes. No one's telling you to to completely be apathetic to anything that's going on. But, you know, you take your five minutes, you take an assessment of what's going on, then you respond, and you have to reprioritize. Everything that we've talked about here, we, we've covered in the Turned On Method as well. So here's the thing. By the way, if you want that, like I said, go to the site, grab it. It's like 49 bucks, and you can have it forever. Um what are, what are you reading right here about Tim Grover? Yeah, time, the, the one about time? Mm-hmm. Time tells you what you did not accomplish. Focus turns off the clock and directs all your energy to the result. And that's the thing. Like you just, you have to focus. When you're seeing clearly, that's about be, being turned on, like flipping the switch, see clearly. You turn the lights on, you obliterate the dark spots. You try to drive them back into the shadows because you don't want to stay in the shadows. You don't want to stay in the dark times. You don't want to stay in the low points. You want to stay turned on. And being turned on means seeing clearly, you know, speaking courageously, walking boldly. And in order to do that is you need focus. You need focus. Otherwise, you lose time. 
you lose time because you've put yourself in a slumber, you've sedated yourself, you know, over, over the things that we can't control. What can you control? Go back to the divine order. That's also in the turn of method. Go back to the divine order. That's free on our website. Go back to the divine order. God tells us what to steward and he tells us what order to steward it in. So if there's certain things that you can't control outside of your home right now, and you're trying to change the minds of everybody else out of your home right now, yet you can't even influence your own family or yourself, then you've got the order disrupted. And, and inverted. So spend one, some time focusing on where God needs you to focus. One final thought here, because I learned this the hard way, and you know sometimes those are the best lessons. Um, you know, whatever industry you're in right now, guess what? Whoever is in your industry, it's pretty much you know they're, they're dealing with the same economy. You know, they're not living in an alternate universe with a different economy or a different government. And so, uh, you know, we learned this the hard way. Is it's how you look at it. You know, if, if right now, if you're taking a pity party or you're in a dip and you're like, well, you know what, the economy this and the world that, then guess what? There's somebody else right now that is going to be in a different spot than you. And you're going to look back and go, you know what, they just handled it in a different way. You know, and you're going to probably kick yourself in the rear. I'm doing that now, you know, but I won't do it again. That's the thing. That's where you learn. You don't You don't repeat the same mistake twice, so... You know, find yourself in a situation that no matter what comes our way in the next couple of months or next couple of years that you are saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to take responsibility and I'm, I'm going to make the best out of it and, and not go into that spot where you say there's nothing I can do because there's always something that you can do. There's always a, a destiny that's within your control, especially when you're co-creating with the creator of the universe, mm-hmm. Almighty God. That's what we do right here on the Turned On Podcast. We'll see you next time.